Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. The midterm elections are five days away, and not surprising, the president of the United States uh, gave a speech leading up to those midterm elections. That's the headline. The question is, did he give the right speech? Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. Well, the president did speak last night at Union Station, right by the United States Capitol, And it was a speech that has been uh, criticized, surprisingly, more from the left than from the right. And I think the question for many has been, did he give the right speech at the right time? Uh, I don't know if you've ever had that experience before of uh, preparing to deliver a speech only to realize you have prepared the wrong speech for the audience, for the setting. Uh, I once had had this uh, in England. I was uh, speaking to a large corporation over there, had all of their managers and uh, executives coming in from across England uh, for a big meeting. And I was supposed to speak all day long, eight-hour training session with them. And the night before, uh, my wife Debbie and I and the president of the company went out to dinner, very nice restaurant. We started uh, to eat, and the president started to describe to me all the problems that were going on in in the company. And the more he talked, Uh, the more I realized that the eight hours of training I had prepared were not even close uh, to what he wanted or actually needed. And I got sicker and sicker and uh, was trying to start doing the mental gymnastics of how do I change this speech and this training I'm going to give eight hours tomorrow. Uh, Debbie still remembers that is the best restaurant we've ever been to. I can't remember eating a single thing because I was so sick. Uh, because I was going to have to speak for eight hours on a completely different topic with a completely different focus. And, of course, at the end, he said now about half of these managers will be a little upset because they know they're likely to lose their jobs in some layoffs the following week. Uh, Anyway, we'll save that rest of the story for another day. Uh, But there's nothing like preparing and then recognizing you're about to deliver the wrong speech. And I wonder what the president's mindset was last night because I think he – delivered the wrong speech. And Republicans, of course, said it was a bad speech. Not surprising, this close to a midterm election. What has been surprising is the overwhelming uh, condemnation in terms of a strategy. Uh, The issue is important, to be sure. 
But in terms of a messaging strategy five days before an election, uh, it was not it. And Democratic strategists, members of Congress, uh, all of them have been saying, yeah, that was that was not great. That was not helpful uh, in terms of trying to win come Tuesday. So let's dig into it just a little bit. Uh, the president, again, at Union Station, I was glad that they moved it inside of Union Station. There was talk uh, in the beginning that this would be uh, with the with the Capitol in the backdrop, which I think would have been uh, not good for a speech sponsored by the Democratic Party. Uh, so I was glad that they moved the venue inside uh, just with some flags and a, and a podium there. Uh, but after recounting, uh, going back uh, to the attack on Speaker Pelosi's husband, Uh, President Biden made this definitive statement in the opening of his speech. My fellow Americans, we're facing a defining moment, an inflection point. We must, with one overwhelming, unified voice, speak as a country and say there's no place, no place for voter intimidation or political violence in America, whether it's directed at Democrats or Republicans. No place, period. No place ever. And I thought that was actually a good start for the president. Uh, Again, if he's going to deliver this speech, I think it was the right place to start. Uh, The president went on to stress that in this election, our institutions, not just our favored policy or politics, were at stake. You know, American democracy is under attack because the defeated former president of the United States refuses to accept the results of the 2020 election. If he refuses to accept the will of the people, he refuses to accept... The fact that he lost, he has abused his power and put the loyalty to himself before loyalty to the Constitution. And he's made a big lie, an article of faith in the MAGA Republican Party, the minority of that party. Uh, So I think that's where the president went sideways uh, and went back to President Trump. Uh, And I know there are some uh, in the Democratic Party that think that's a winning strategy to make this about President Trump, the former president, to make this about everything except for the price of gas and groceries and inflation, and to to really distract and and to point to the, the evil of the other side. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm gonna die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, President Biden also uh, targeted the people running for election who share President Trump's view of the 2020 election that it was not legitimate. It's estimated that there are more than 300 election deniers on the ballot all across America this year. We can't ignore the impact this is having on our country. It's damaging, it's corrosive, and it's destructive. And I want to be very clear, this is not about me. It's about all of us. It's about what makes America, America. It's about the durability of our democracy. 
So as you listen to the president there, uh, and again, looking back, looking at some of those that are on the ballot, uh, the one thing that you cannot deny is that there are a good number of those Republicans who are on the ballot, who are only on the ballot because of Democratic spending to put them on the ballot. Uh, in some races, uh, the Democratic Party spent more money than the Republican candidate themselves. And yes, both sides have done that over the years. That's crass politics. Uh, but you cannot do crass politics and, and then say, oh, wait, these people are a danger. These people are a threat to our democracy when you put them on the ballot. And so that part was a little struggle for me in terms of what the president was saying, in terms of what the Democratic Party has invested in, uh, $44 million plus into many of those races to put a weak Republican on the ballot so that Democrats would have a better chance of winning. Again, that's a political calculation. Uh, I don't think it's one that we can say, well, you can do that because it's just politics, uh, and then come to say, well, no, these people are an existential threat to the survival of our country. You, you can't do that. Now, the president did call for Americans to view each other as we the people again, which I agree uh, we've got to get to. He stressed the nature of democracy uh, as a covenant relation. Really interesting. Make no mistake, democracy is in the ballot for all of us. We must remember that democracy is a covenant. We need to start looking out for each other again, seeing ourselves as we the people, not as entrenched enemies. This is a choice we can make. Disunion and chaos are not inevitable. And that's an important part of that. And uh, we'll dig into that uh, on another day in terms of looking at democracy as a covenant. I thought that was very interesting that the president used that language. And I'm trying to dig into that a little bit in terms of where that came from in the speech process uh, and uh, where he thinks that actually leads. And what do you think that actually means uh, in terms of that covenant? What is it? What is it that we're linking arms and doing together in community and neighborhoods? What is the role of the federal government versus the state and local government? Uh, what does that look like? And how do we make sure that we can actually live that, I think, is the is the real test uh, for a lot of us. Now, the, the president did close out his speech with a message of empowerment to American voters to make sure that your voice is heard. You have the power. It's your choice. It's your decision. The fate of the nation, the fate of the soul of America lies where it always does, with the people, in your hands, in your heart, in your ballot. Again, one of the better lines from the president last night. And for the most part, I, I think it was the wrong speech. And I'm telling you, having done it, uh, being prepared to deliver the wrong speech is devastating. It is stressful. Uh, and I didn't feel that energy in the president because I don't think the president really believed that was the right speech to deliver five days before an election. Important topics, to be sure. Uh, a discussion we've got to have as a nation, absolutely. How we have it, when we have it, where we have it, uh, to me, is the, the real question that we have to get to. Uh, and so as you look at the speech of the president, uh, he's back on the campaign trail today. Uh, last night, he did not mention economy, inflation, jobs, China, Russia, uh, and most of the things that are on the top of the list of concern for the American people. And so there is an important conversation to be had. Uh, we'll see how the American people view that. We'll see how the votes tally when we get to Tuesday. But we're rolling into this final weekend of the campaign. Uh, many speeches will be given. Remember, crowds are moved by great speeches. 
individuals and communities are transformed by great listening. We're going to talk about that a little bit more when we come back. Take care. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.